0: Hi, and welcome to System Reboot, a podcast from Gizmodo where we dive into the systems that are failing us and explore realistic opportunities to create something better. I'm Brian Kahn, the managing editor at Earther.
1: And I'm Alex Kranz, senior consumer tech editor at Gizmodo. And today, we're going to be getting to the bottom of, or the top... We're going to get to the wide range of what 5G actually is.
0: Top, bottom, maybe the middle too. Just the whole maybe thing. Maybe the
1: middle. We'll see. We're, we're not quite sure. I. This is a subject that I have to cover a lot. I've edited a lot of stories about it, read a lot of stories about it, written at least one story about 5G. So I'm pretty like, kind of, I feel okay saying I know what 5G is. But Brian, do you know what 5G? What do you know about 5G before we started this podcast? Well this episode.
0: I feel pretty okay saying that I, I knew basically nothing about 5G. <laughs> I was very impressed that it seemed like fast internet. Um I know it's coming to phones now, soon, at some point soon? in some the, point, yeah. The near present, perhaps. Um, but really beyond that, like I just knew it sounded cool and was exciting and that I would probably be able to watch streaming videos better. And that, that that's my understanding of 5G, which I hope it's a little bit more than that. Although if it's that, I will be very happy yeah. as
1: well. I, you know, I think I think that is definitely part of it. I hear, you know, it's one of those subjects that I'm just constantly hearing about. Anytime I go to any event, anytime I'm talking to anyone in this industry, they're like, oh, well, you know, 5G is going to change everything. I mean, you know, 5G, it's, it's changing the world. And I'm like, cool, how is it going to change the world in ways that 4G isn't? I just, I'm very curious to find out. And I think the person we brought in today to talk about the subject is one of my favorite people to talk about 5G with. It's Vita Ilderom, who's the vice president of Intel Labs and director of integrated platform research, which is a whole lot of fancy words. But it really means that she just knows the subject backwards and forwards. And because she's part of the research team and she's not actually out there trying to sell it. Vita hopefully is not gonna be trying to sell us on 5G. <laughs> she's she's generally like pretty, pretty frank and pretty candid about the 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 subject and and the challenges of this technology. So I'm super excited to have her on today.
0: I am excited as well. And I hope that she'll be able to explain, you know, the top, the bottom, the middle, like the whole, the whole thing, all the 5G, so that I can then be <laughs> hopefully impressed, but also have a realistic expectation of what's gonna what's coming with this. <laughs>
1: I hope that you ask her about 5G and COVID. I mean, how could I not? Like, I think, I think that's very high on my list of things to talk to her about, but I don't want to ask it because, like, I want her to respect me. So <laughs> I want her to keep respecting you, too. I'm willing to be the fall guy to ask that horrifyingly yes. dumb question.
0: I will, I will do it for you. I'll take one for the team here.
1: And Vito, if if you listen to this podcast later, uh, ignore all of that. <laughs> but, okay, well, let's go ahead and get to the interview then. All right. Okay, this is going to be very broad, and I'm sorry you probably have to answer this question a billion times. But what the heck is 5G?
2: Okay, so what is 5G? So let's give a little bit of a history of the Gs, which stands for generation. So 1G, the first generation, was the analog technology for voice. So that was the first time introducing a cell phone on mobility. Second generation, 2G, was when the digital application of voice came. And it still was a voice uh, technology. It was called GSM. The third generation or 3G, and between 2 and 3 was 2.5, 2.75, you know, there were different introductions of different technologies. 3G was the first time there was the ability to uh, look at data, So people start uploading images, you know, then they consume more and more. They wanted more data rates. They consume more bandwidth of the network. Then it comes 4G. Some people call it LTE. So fourth generation, which became about mobile data. I can take my data and I can move, right? So the fifth generation, this is what we call an inflection point, because it's not only about human-to-people-to-people, human-to-human communication is also about machine-to-machine communication. So 5G is the first standard that not only addresses, you know, higher data rates, better capacity, better coverage, but it also addresses the machine type communication for the sensors which are in the field. Some of them have very low data rate, like kilobits per second, or for very time-critical and highly reliable applications, which we call ultra-reliable low-latency applications, which 5G is going to address that. So we say it has three pillars. It has enhanced mobile broadband, which is about people-to-people communication,
1: Yeah, that's the stuff we generally care about.
2: Yes, uh, but the other two does bother your communication. (laughs) So your network, that's the key, right? And then the other two pillars, one is for millions of machines coming online. And the third one is for very low latency, high reliability applications.
1: Okay, so when we talk about the Gs, and we're talking about generations, and that third generation is where, and I guess people like Brian and I really started to care about it because that meant our phones could suddenly do a lot more. And you're saying in this case, it was really about the images. And in 4G, it was about the the video. So what is 5G about?
2: Well, 4G was about mobility. You can't do it on the oh, go. Oh, no, It was about mobility. So so 5G, really, it's about
1: bringing all that together and just
2: kind of always being there? 5G from the mobility now, so you can say, now I give you one gigabits per second. That's the goal right now is depending what spectrum you use. It can be anywhere from 100 megabits per second to one gigabits per second. So more data rate, so wider bandwidth, so you can serve more people. Okay. So that's the capacity of the network. It can give you higher data rates so you can get things done faster, or you can serve multiple users on the same bandwidth.
1: I feel like I hear about 5G just constantly. And I know Brian has a question. He's got to get out of the way because we've both been hearing about it a lot in the news. So I apologize in advance.
0: <laughs> wow, Go thank ahead. you for saying <laughs> me up. You're the fall person. So, I mean, we, and I hate to even ask this, but I, so I should also back up and say that, you know, my background is covering climate stuff and climate is ripe for conspiracy theories, unfortunately. And, you know, keeping an eye on that stuff, I've noticed there are all these, you know, people talking about 5G and the coronavirus or getting sick or other things. And obviously, you know, myself and Alex know that that's not the case that's happening. But I'm wondering, you know, if you could just tell us, I mean, I
2: guess it's absolutely is not the case it has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> no, well, that's good. I'm glad you could confirm no, no, that too. No, for no, 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 Those towers have been there forever.
0: <laughs> I actually am curious though, you know, what
2: is it that you think, like why do you think
0: people are suddenly afraid of this, this new technology that will, you know, from what you've made it sound like make our lives better?
2: It for sure will make the lives better. Um, I don't know. Some people are nervous about even telephony. Right. I mean, it's not a is they see these towers, they see wires going. I mean, even your uh, power grids. Right. If you stand under them, they go. Right. So people, when you don't know, you get scared. When you learn and educate yourself about the topic, then it goes away. So I think there are people who don't want, quote, electromagnetic waves. They think it screws with their brain waves, which is proven not correct. So there are many third parties, labs studying these things. And otherwise, we won't have the tools we have today, the devices we have today, because they are thoroughly studied and before they're released to consumer markets.
0: Basically, saying, you know, we would never do this if it wasn't
2: safe, is what Correct. you're saying. Correct. Correct. Yeah, because you just, nobody wants to get sued. And I
1: have a feeling that would be a massive lawsuit if it was true.
2: <laughs> yeah. And between 5G and 4G, I mean, you're for the higher bandwidth or higher speeds, you're introducing a new spectrum. Uh, which is we call centimeter or millimeter wave. This is your twenty eight, thirty nine gigahertz. But that's for very localized area. It's not that you're beaming from this side to that side of the city, right? It's it's very short range. So how how short range would you say that? Because because millimeter wave, I hear about that a lot.
1: That's one of those. I think about it's one of those really big kind of catchphrases I hear when I hear people talking about five G. And there's two different kinds of five G, right? There's millimeter waves, and then there's something that I cannot remember the name of right now. Less than six
2: gigahertz is called or
1: CBRS. Okay, so millimeter wave, you know, I hear that, and honestly, I think microwave, even though it's not the same at all. What exactly is millimeter wave?
2: millimeter wave is a higher frequency spectrum which has gives you more bandwidth and because you have more bandwidth because nobody is really there on that except there is sometimes you know satellite services or different countries have different needs there like scientific uh, spectrum for scientific studies So it's a spectrum that has a wider bandwidth and allows you to have higher data rates. However, it does have a limitation in transporting the wave. So in transmitting, so the power, by the way, they keep the power always below a ceiling because of the health concerns. You cannot have high power beams going around all the time, right? Because you have to have a low power, because of interaction, because it's such a short wavelength... It doesn't penetrate through the walls, it gets blocked easily, it reflects. So that's why the range is short because you cannot, you know, beyond certain, um, so many meters, depending on the frequency, you cannot transmit, you won't receive the message. So that's one of the millimeter wave characteristics is, is range is short now, if you go to 60, which was previously one of the ranges uh, for uh, unlicensed band under consideration, 60 interacts also with oxygen and with water molecules. So it, it, it absorbs it. So the so if you had, a, a, let's say, 300 megabits per second, suddenly you'll have maybe 30 megabits per second because it can transmit through that medium very well. That's crazy. Yeah, but 2839 doesn't have that issue, but it does have, because of the shorter wavelengths, it cannot transmit as far.
1: one of the things that is really interesting because we keep hearing about 5G being this this huge transformative thing and then I hear you talk about millimeter wave and sub-6G and there's still so many technical limitations because even though we're getting this much higher throughput we're able to have so much access to data there's still some pretty profound limitations in the technology it sounds like.
2: Um, well, it's, it's the, all the pieces are complementary to each other, right? You don't use everything every time. So if you're a very dense urban area, you may want to use the millimeter wave, you're more line of sight. Okay. okay. But if you're driving in the wild and you depend on the towers to for your communication, maybe use a less than six gigahertz band. I in conjunction with LTE, 4G, that doesn't go away, right? That's one of the generation is, each generation takes about 10 years to peak. So once you're, you know, you're ramping 5G, you still have 4G, you still have 3G. For IoT, Internet of Things, you have 2G, you know, so the Gs don't so The generations disappear. don't go away. Yeah,
1: they're overlaps. Oh, that's kind of cool. So when I'm going to buy a phone, that's why I don't want to get one that only does millimeter wave roll only does sub six G, because it's not going to be able to
2: do work kind You kinda... will be very limited, yes. It will be very limited in what you do. And on top of it, there is a World Radio Congress, which meets every four years. So it met this past November. They harmonize the frequency across the world, because you don't want to go from U.S. to another country and say, oops, you know, they don't use this frequency, I need to insert a dongle to be able to call, okay? So there is a lot of uh, regulation and harmonization and the countries coming together to agree about these bands so your device can operate most of the time where you go. So when I'm traveling all the
1: time, I should only have to worry about my SIM card and not whether my phone can actually function.
2: Correct. You have the correct radio in your form to connect, correct. And by the way, the 5G is more than phones now. 5G now serves the enterprise, as I said, serves the machine. It's a huge enabler for Internet of Things, right? Because it introduces the machines. So it's so much more than just human-to-human interaction, if you may.
0: Well, I'm wondering if you could, you know, you see the Internet of Things and machines, I mean... What are they, I guess, what are they? Are they talking to each other? What are they doing to actually be connected over 5G that they couldn't do over, say, 4G or 3G or anything else?
2: Uh, they can h- connect over those other bands or other generations. The difference here is with 5G, we can have a different spectrum for these machines if needed. We call it slicing of the network. Because let's say you're talking and suddenly this uh, sensor, like your parking meter or whatever, your um, electrical meter, I started for home, wakes up and sends a data packet Right? It's such a short thing. I mean, this interruption to network is very hard to manage, but 5G allows you to have, uh, it's like a highway with multiple lanes. You can have a lane for your machines. Okay? You can have a high speed lane for your human to human communication. So it allows you to do it that way. But yes, today, as I said, you can use less than gigahertz technology for, for a long range sensors in the field. Because, you know, you and I don't want to go and say, where did I put that sensor? I can change its battery, right? So it has to be very energy efficient. It has to be self-sustaining. It has to be preferably seven to 10 years set and forget type of thing. So the requirements are very different. And that's the beauty of 5G. And that's a difficulty. Back to you, Alex, what's the technology difficulty is because there is very diverse set of requirements and the requirements diverge from each other. A machine requirement is very different than a human requirement is very different than a factory requirement per se, okay? So this generation needs to address all these different requirements for different services.
1: So it's sort of like 4G, but gives us a lot more flexibility in how it's rolled out and how those different devices communicate with each other.
2: That and plus bringing the machines in. Yeah. Specifically for machines. It's designed for machines. 4G was not designed for these extra things to come online. You can use it, but it won't be efficient.
1: Okay. Okay. I think I'm kind of understanding 5G a little better than I did before, which is Probably an insult to some of my coworkers who have written a lot about 5G, but it's but it's one of those things. Glad to help. Uh, Yeah, I just hear it hyped a whole lot. And one of the places I did want to talk to you about, and I know you and I have talked about this before, is 5G and how it can be rolled out in one of these broadband deserts, these these rural areas where they don't even have 2G and 3G right now. Do you think it'll be a solution for those broadband deserts? Or is it too focused on the other stuff?
2: So I would say the first focus was how to bring more capacity and more coverage and enable more users. So now you go to rural areas, one of the issues is a concept called backhaul. So what you have is from your tower back to the data center or uh, the cloud, the pipe is fixed, right? So if you get more and more information, so today there is fiber optics right? So they're connected. You dig a trench, you put your fiber, you connect these devices together. However, when you go to rural area, it's very expensive to put fiber everywhere. Okay. So one of the things that you can do actually with millimeter wave or even with, you know, non-millimeter wave segment of 5G or even 4G for that matter, that depends how fat your pipe is, is you can use that for backhaul, line of sight, you can connect the towers together and bring the capability to the edge of the rural area and from there you can distribute your different technologies so you can bring the capability wirelessly to an area that doesn't have connectivity and deploy from there
1: so it almost sounds like a mesh network in my home kind of functioning the same way pick it pick it killing those little dead zones
2: um You can tell me if I'm wrong. Yeah, it's an analogy. It's an interesting analogy you use. Uh, I won't call it meshing, but it's just like a back hole. It's like a trunk of a tree, Okay. okay? But it's really, it's a trunk. It's a pipe that you can bring to the edge of something and you can flourish from that and spread it. So it's like your router, right? You bring your router and from your router, you can connect to your different devices, which you're calling meshing. And if you have a multi-story or two-story house, you may have even relays in different places in your home because your signal doesn't carry, depending on the size of the residence. I mean, in an enterprise, in an office, there are many, many access points, right? Because you want the high coverage and serve many users.
1: I love it. So so what are the big challenges right now for the technology? Because, you know, I I hear you talking about it, and it sounds like it's already there. It's completely in the wild. It's totally there. But then I know just from my point of view and covering it from the phones, it's not there. It's only just begun to roll out.
2: It's it's beginning to roll out. I wouldn't say it's completely there. And as you, uh, as you, as like any other technology, when you start using it, you say, oh, I can do this differently. I can do that better. For instance... If you look at the low latency, you know, high reliability, so you can say, have you heard about the concept of edge compute or edge network? So what is happening is uh, we are going towards autonomy, autonomous car, you know, uh, in future, you're going to have robots or whatever, right? Things that can um, operate under their own capabilities. So for this type of future, you need very fast response. You cannot wait to go all the way back to the cloud and come back, right? So we are saying this gives birth to the concept of edge compute, where the cloud gets closer to where the data is being generated.
1: Okay, so, so it's shorter, shorter
2: pipe. Shorter pipe, shorter distance, And fatter. Uh, it could be fatter or it cannot be fatter, but you get the very fast turnaround time because your distance is shorter right? And you're bringing the compute capability to the edge of the network, okay? Okay. Now, so you can have compute, you can have edge, now you have your comps. On top of this, now we're adding artificial intelligence, learning, machine learning. So how can I use my resources better to direct the traffic properly? So, I mean, you can have a world tomorrow with all these driverless cars, full autonomy, where you don't even need intersections. You don't need lights. It's actually lights are for humans to know and to cross. (laughs) (laughs) The cars don't need that. Okay, but that's kind of, I mean, that's a cool future, but I'm also just a little
1: terrifying to me because then I'm putting all of my my control and all of my personal autonomy
2: into the hands of these robots. That's right. We humans have problems with that. (laughs) because we want to understand how does these machines make the decision, right? How did you make this decision? Because we teach them first, right? We give them policies, but they learn faster and faster, right? They have their own algorithms and they learn from themselves sometimes. So we as humans, we don't want to lose that control, but also we want to have that trust in the technology or in this autonomy that we know that it will do the right thing by us. But, you know, watch yourself next time you cross the road. How many times do you look, look to see, is the driver looking at me <laughs> before I go?
1: Never. <laughs> Drivers never look.
2: So, <laughs> But you look, you look to see if they're looking at you.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I would say that, yeah, yeah. So would you say that maybe the challenge isn't necessarily in this rollout of 5G, but kind of other stuff related to it, these almost... There
2: new things come up, right? As you yeah, do, yeah, these, as these you,
1: new ethical issues just spring up just because we've enabled them.
2: It could be ethical, but it could be the other way to look at it is as we introduce technology enables other things. Then you start going down that path, and you go, "Ooh, I can do this," right? And then you have to address all these new things that pop up, which are exciting, but you have to address it, right? I mean, there are regulatory things you have to address. You brought the, some people talk about the policies for AI, right? So explainable AIs, tell me how you decide what you decide, how you decide it, because sometimes it's a black box, right? So there are new, very interesting research challenges to go after. So what we see is a confluence of, you know, communication via 5G, computation via how Cloud is coming closer to data and we bring in cloud, and then the rise of AI, all these things are coming together, and edge is a very interesting place that they're coming together to enable very, very exciting things so if you if you forget about the driving, but if you say okay I have a factory which is run by you know autonomous robots or uh, you know guided vehicles type of thing. You can remotely control that. You know, they don't have to be autonomous, autonomous. It's like a a remote driver, right? So that latency becomes important. So 5G is a path towards that.
1: It's a path towards everyone being able to work from home. Yes. Instead of us just very privileged few at the moment. Maybe, maybe for some things, some things. I'm sure we'll never be able to. It's
2: going to be a, a new capabilities coming up and it's up to us how to use it. Remember from 3G to 4G, it was, hey, I'm using imaging. Oh, I'm starting to download video. Hey, my videos are slow. Okay. No, I want to be on the go to do this. I don't want to just sit at my home to do this. Right. Then the mobility come in, you know, as we use the technology, we want to do more and more. And that leads the way.
0: How far are we from doing some of those more things with 5G? I mean, are, are are there some of those more things already available to us right now, or are we waiting you know, uh, a think, year, I five years?
2: There's some, there are pockets. I think people are looking at how to use some of this capability as the technology becomes more mature. I would say less than 6 gigahertz is pretty good as you go higher and you bring more applications in. It's not just about, you know, 5G, but you have to integrate it with other things, right? You bring the you bring the computation in, you bring the intelligence in, how you manage your factory, right? How do you make sure that if you see a wire, you know that it's working. Now, if it's wireless, how do I know you're working? <laughs> you don't see it, <laughs> right? Uh, so building that it takes time but it's happening in pockets but remember every every g every g to date to date has taken about 10 years to peak and we are in a we are in the journey right now
1: how early in the journey are we do you think
2: Well, the first standard release, I mean, the first discussion of 5G was in 2015. I think the first, you have to go through standards because you're talking with spectrum and interoperability between different entities, operators, and, uh, you know, service providers and others. So telecom equipment manufacturers. So I would say we are maybe three years I have to see when it's the first standard release. Release 15, 3GPP is, is the first standard. But the discussion started in 2015. But without standards, it's hard to deploy.
1: Yeah, yeah. So if every generation is a challenge, if you think of every generation as a full-grown person, 10 years in its lifespan, then this is an adolescent.
2: No, uh, uh, 10 years it peaks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're still, we're still babies then. Yeah, we are, we are below the peak. I don't know if, I don't know what, maybe we're teenagers, I don't know, I don't know our age range. We are not yet going to college. Okay, yes. We have not
1: peaked, we know that.
2: Well, actually, if you say 40 is your peak of your whatever, 10 is 40.
1: Well, this has been like super illuminating for me, just kind of understanding 5G and seeing just how early on I guess we are in the process. It's it's been kind of a nice counterpoint to some of the stuff I hear elsewhere. Where everyone's like just like 5G phones now. Go 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 go. It's all there. And no, no, we're still not we've still got a little bit of time. Brian, you have any more questions or thoughts? Well,
0: yeah, I actually have one last question
1: I think on my end which is,
0: you know, this has been a big learning experience for me too. You know, you've debunked the 5G conspiracy theories and told me a lot more um that's actually helpful knowledge. And you know, I'm wondering for listeners like What's something they can do to either educate themselves more about 5G or if they're living in an area where they want to see it, where they can, you know, maybe advocate to get 5G um, in their area, whether it's the city or, you know, the rural area?
2: I think I think that's working with the local government. I mean, it doesn't, uh, it's, um, there are initiatives for, I believe, rural network for rural areas it's It's not that it's impossible, and it doesn't have to be five g by the way. it could be a different g, but it's how cost effective it is for people to implement it. What five g enables is you don't need to lay out the fiber if you don't have to, but they some people can do that with a different g, but it limits the data rate, the capacity. So how good a internet do I get right but it brings the capability in. So I think there are lots of initiatives which I think it can be looked up to connect the unconnected or the rural areas. And I think this is an enabler.
1: It sounds like, and I know Land of Lakes of all places, the Butter Guys, just recently announced their own initiative with, I think, Microsoft and Cargill and some of the other big ag companies. So there's certainly increasingly a move towards better internet to these rural areas. And it sounds like 5G could be helpful.
2: Could be helpful for the definitely on the back side of it, sure. And I think it's a very exciting times. I think multiple disciplines, technology disciplines, are coming together, and I think it's gonna make our lives better. Um, yes, is it's you know. Everything is not always rosy or everything, but we learn as we go, and I think it's the learning side. Uh, Where we can learn more about the gist, there are lots of articles, I mean, in the web and everything. So I... Well, there's also things that are scary, Brian. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So there are white papers by 4G America or 5G America. There are white papers by, uh, there are 3GPP standards bodies which issue white papers. So I recommend people, if they truly want to get educated, to look for these consortiums that publish in this area. There are lots of uh, research, also market research.
0: So basically, keep an eye on the consortiums, ignore the YouTube videos um, and the comments on them.
2: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Well, if you want to scare yourself, you can always find something to scare yourself. (laughs) Right?
0: (laughs) Too true.
1: (laughs) Too true. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today and just really illuminating the subject because I know it's something that I get confused by so often, and I think you were very, very clear on how great it is but how also how early on we still are in this technology now and what we can expect to see from it in the future.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you both for giving me the chance to chat and have a say what we work on. That's very exciting for us. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to System Reboot. It's hosted by me, Alex Kranz, and Brian Kahn. Our producer is Michaela Heck, and Jamie Colazzo mixed the episode.
0: If you like what you heard, please rate and review us on whatever podcast app you use. Um, it'll help spread the word and allow other people to find the show.
1: Yeah, and if you have any other feedback, questions, or thoughts about what you heard today, tweet us. You can reach me at Alex H. Kranz. Or you can find me at BLKahn. See you guys next week. Hiding yourself from me is so upsetting. I mean... I love to see your beautiful face, Brian.
0: The truth is, though, I just... We didn't make the bed this morning, so <laughs> my bedroom is a total mess. <laughs> um...